everyone. We're the Casual Tutors. I'm Matt, hanging out with Kyle and Doug today. Oh, talking. I don't get to introduce myself <laughs> No, fuck you guys. I got this because I'm tired of all the pausing. I'm Doug. <laughs> no. We're Matt, just going to skip right over Kyle. Kyle? <laughs> Matt can uh, introduce me. I'm, I'm too good for my own introduction. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's how we're going to start this. Anyways, this week we're talking about preferred methods for winning the game and that's really the most important part about commander forget everything else anybody has ever told you that's the point of magic the the whole point of magic is to win the game yeah i can't think of even one other thing you'd want to do no <sighs> like like nothing along the way just just the ultimate goal at the end where you win at all costs don't hang out with friends don't <laughs> conversate these these people are your enemies win at all costs <laughs> For God's right. sake, no one get me a beer. That would just be the, the worst. Definitely don't do anything cool or unique in your decks. Just fucking cut all that chaff, forget all your favorite cards, win cons only, and removal. Excellent. All right, there's the episode. Yep. <laughs> Commander's easy. It's a figured out format. Just play it. I don't know that it is. I, I, if you really wanted to get into this conversation, I think a, a reasonable starting place is the format within the format that actually talks about I mean, maybe not to the extent that we are even, but, but CEDH is a thing. Competitive EDH is the thing. And it's not solved, I would say. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people would, we jokingly, in the lead up to this, Kyle said something like, it's combo, that's what it is, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I, even that is not really decided even at the highest point of the game, much less further on down the line, which is, I'm guessing, more where we want to talk today. I had a thought, and then it just went. <laughs> That's right. I talk, I talk until you guys don't have thoughts anymore. That's how you win a conversation. That's my win con. We're just winning at everything today. Uh, oh, I know what I had. Doug, you, you know why you're wrong? Why? Lord of the Rings solved the format. You just play the one ring, and you win the game. It's how uh, it's working in modern. Like... One ring is showing up in four play sets. It's I, all I don't good. think that's accurate. Protection from everything is actually not that good i mean don't get me wrong i i know shit all about modern I'm, I'm sure it's doing some things that you wouldn't bring it up uh but i i have yet to see it in cdh i've yet to even really see buzz about it in cdh no but speaking it's about cdh players are bad speaking about buzz and cdh i cracked a full art foil orcish bowmasters cool is that your win con that uh i don't know i don't know how to play cdh to be honest i know to play that the is one actually that is a thing that is happening in CDH. Orcus Bowmasters is mostly seeing play as just like value I, I, or it, removal, really, more than anything else. Uh, but it is also, there were a couple mediocre good wheels decks out there, and they're now getting a little bit better. I still don't think they're to the point where they're like top tier, but they're they're up there for sure. Well, and yeah. I, I guess that's, I mean, that's a good point too, talking about win cons. I feel like there's a lot of cards that people will say are their win cons but are really just a lot of value. Also, first step for Kyle to win with Orcish Bowmasters is for Kyle to show up to play Commander. Mm. I played step, Commander twice the, this week. Holy shit. <laughs> You're on a roll there, buddy. Second step... Kyle, I've got kids and I played Commander twice this week. I'm just saying. <laughs> Second step is for him to stop playing clubs that only draw one car each turn because Bowmasters does absolutely nothing in Elko. Dude, I will say I have I've had some games where 
it's like the good cards aren't as good because the decks I'm playing against are not good enough for the good cards to have their value. It's true. I mean, that, that's pretty common, I would say. We've gotten really off subject here. Uh, for those wondering, Arkish Bowmasters is a new card at Lord of the Rings. It's two mana for a 1-1 one, one with Flash that says whenever people draw extra cards, they, they die immediately and in and, and horrible poverty. And you get orcs, which is the most important part because orcs are cool. Sorry, sorry. orcs show up and make sure that you die in horrible poverty. Orc army defeats all. <laughs> so I mean, kind of. how, how are we talking about this win con thing? You guys kind of want to go over like what you have as far as win cons in your decks? Or do we want to talk more generally than that? Uh, I think we start talking about what wincon makes us the thirstiest, and then we could talk generalized after that. Yeah, Matt, spit some wincons at me. Go. Well, lately, so fucking combat win cons like out the wahoo in my garage, packed up, ready to move to Idaho. So I got that wincon on lock, and I've absolutely been hating it. I hate winning by combat for some reason lately. So I'm doing everything I can to find different ways of doing victories. Or having victories, winning, whatever English is. I, I think I've been the opposite lately. I, I've been doing my normal every Friday article uh, on EDH Rec, two specific top 10, check it out, all that kind of thing. And it, it's, I cannot do anything but write about aggro lately, and I don't know why. I'm literally like three weeks in a row now, I've written about and created aggro decks. And I don't really play aggro that much. Uh, but like Maher is the two mana uh, orc guy that is basically hardened scales for orcs goblins and armies mm -hmm. and it was just like a two mana guy with menace that makes huge stuff and oh look this is an aggro deck and it's really really aggressive and then after that i did gandalf white rider which is a four mana gandalf that is a three three and anytime you cast any spell any spell at all he gives all your creatures plus one plus zero and scries for one so i was like this is like a hyper aggressive aggressive aggro deck that plays all the zero drops the, the ones that cost $500 and the ornithopters of the world, both. Uh, yeah, it's just been nonstop aggro over there in my articles, and I don't know what's wrong with me, or maybe that's just what Lord of the Rings is supposed to be. It's definitely very aggro -y. even, like, especially in Limited, just getting that view where, you know, the, ma the main decks are Rakdos decks that are doing super well, and Black is just super pushed, and it's not really doing anything necessarily unique or creative other than making giant bodies and pounding face. I mean, that sounds ideal. Pounding? Yes. Wow. But, wow, man. I mean, Lord of the Rings <laughs> introduced two different cards that say you win the game, essentially, on them. I guess more words than that for Frodo. But, you know, even that's not really doing it. Frodo, for me, is still combat-based. You still have to hit your opponent after getting the ring to the fourth level, and I'm just like, meh. And, you know, this is, I guess, I'm just a scumbag now. But I've, been I've having never actually managed to read the ring that far, I'm not going to lie. It does something. We've been over this. <laughs> uh, what's really been getting it going for me is trying to kill people with infect, but not just you know, not infect necessarily getting their poison counters to 10, but not just hitting them with infect creatures or toxic creatures or poisonous creatures, like trying to get there with Venzer because I have like 25 uh, proliferate sources in my Venzer deck. And I never get them in the games I play. I don't know what's happening. I'm not running like an abundant sources of land. It's like just this challenge. And I look at my deck list. I try to go back and refine it. I'm like, no, it's fine. I should be winning this. Like turn four, I should be like proliferated like six or seven times by now. But no. So that's the root. Pro proliferate in my head. Is, it's just too slow. I, and I, 
I, I don't have an infect deck. I'm, I'm making air quotations with my fingers here, like you guys can see that. I don't have an infect deck, but I have Zav the Multifarious, uh, which is a two mana guy that just makes copies of cre. He becomes copies of stuff in your graveyard if you pay their mana cost to the stuff in your graveyard. So I have a deck that is everything, and it costs three or less. And he just, it's just him copying creatures and copying creatures and copying creatures several times a turn and triggering and triggering and triggering and ending up with all the plus one plus one counters in the world. And then there's like three infect cards in there. And it will just like win the game sometimes when that happens. Because you can go straight into the little 1-1 one, one guy that gives him infect until end of turn and then become a Phyrexian Colossus 12-12 trample dude for one mana. And that will just take people out of the game. Uh, but mostly, I think Infect is bad. Uh, uh, Triumph of the Horrors is really the only Infect card that wins games. Except for the most part, with the Traxa as your commander. No, because I disagree. I see- Traxa is good. Infect is still bad. No, well, okay. So I should say uh, Proliferate because you mentioned Proliferate being too slow. Proliferate is normally too slow with most cards, except in Traxa's case, which is why I think Infect is good if you're playing Atraxa because the fact that she proliferates twice every single turn guaranteed makes it so that it's much better. I mean, you can absolutely do a control deck with Atraxa that is just like, I get an infect counters on everyone and then you just die as I proceed essentially. Uh, but you know, then you're playing control and everyone hates you. So. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, the thing with Atraxa is Atraxa is just good in general. You can play just base plus one plus one counters, and your Traxa deck is going to be fucking incredible. It's true. Yeah, and I, I don't disagree that infect strategies are generally bad. And I, I mean, you're hearing it from straight from my mouth that I'm having issues proliferating out in my Venzer deck. But like, that's a Rubik's cube I'm trying to solve because I have been yeah. very successful in few games where you know by turn five I've killed everybody with poison counters, and that's not even like, I guess poison is like tied for the main win con of the deck really i just want to sit there and create hollow sentinels sacrificing hollow sentinels to proliferate untapping my gets thrown making another hollow sentinel and repeating and doing it that way which is something i haven't done that's probably why i have like this massive backlog built up where i just i need to get this combo going and then win and then i'll probably take venzer apart real talk though fuck your friends play triumph of the hordes it's great you're playing in green play triumph of the hordes it's great I it's mean, the same thing as playing overrun or whatever like if you're gonna play that you fucking degenerates are out here playing crater hoof behemoths play triumph of the hordes i don't care if it says infect on it i don't care if people give you shit for it it's a good fucking card i 100 percent agree uh it, it is it, overrun overwhelming stampede crater hoof blah 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 i play blossoming bog beast in my uh, sapling a Colfinor deck because my commander gains gains life, and so therefore it ends up being the exact same thing. If you have creatures, it just makes sense to play any of the overruns, and Triumph of the Horde is just another overrun. Exactly. It's an overrun that says, I only need to deal 10 damage to you. Yeah. Well, just to, play to more overruns. Each of you. Don't even or care. To, just yeah, play more. To, to each of you. But it's still not as powerful as Crater Hoof Behemoth. It's best when paired together. Sure. I honestly think it just, it just depends. But at the end of the day, I think they're all the same freaking card. I don't think it matters. Crater is only powerful because it's stacked on a creature that you can search out of the deck. That's the only reason it's good. Sure. I just, yeah, I, so, I just think it's, it's from, but all, all the overruns, all, they all are the same thing. Let, let's just be honest. I just think it's weird so. that you'll get more of a reaction out of somebody playing 
trident with the hordes than you will out of somebody playing something uh even Just like classic overrun even classic overrun even finale of devastation which is way more powerful sure it's because people hate dying to poison counters that's and that's exactly what it is there's such such a bad rap around poison counters that people just lose their minds over it. It has nothing to do with the fact that you're already swinging out with probably like 60 power on board with yeah, creatures. And, and that's where Triumph of the Hordes is bad. And I don't think anybody really mentions that. Like your board state already has to be the point that you're basically winning the game anyway for yeah. Triumph of the Hordes to be good because it's only plus one, plus one, trample and infect. Yeah, so more. you already have to have like a ton of or a, a, a ton of small creatures or a good amount of big creatures for that to even be relevant. Otherwise, most of the overruns are honestly probably already better. Right. Well, and a lot of times I feel like you are at that point. I feel like a lot of times you're playing it specifically because you're like, all right, I have all these big creatures. What I need is look, trample. Look, I basically won the game here, guys. If I could just go ahead and do that. Uh, here's the card. Thank you. Infect yeah. is is infect is a weird one though. I, I I am glad you brought that up because infect infect's like a semi combat win. <laughs> infect is like a, a change of health. It's also combat centric, but it's also not because, like you said, you have other spells. There are spells now that give poison counters and then proliferate or then have some other effect. Infect yeah. is such a strange alt win condition. I have, I have way more non-creature spells that give poison counters that probably creatures would infect or toxic in my deck like i i'm trying not to win with the combat way but sometimes i have to hit somebody with toxic one venzer or i have to get skittles on the board just to get that ball rolling because i you know eventually i have to win and i'm going to do my best to do it sure well and a lot of times the easiest way to get infect onto somebody is to hit them low in the early game with a small infect the creature like a, a two mana one three with toxic one yeah just like that or a mirror that happens to have infect or blighted agent that's unblockable and has it uh, all those kind of things. But can we yeah. talk about you guys are talking about like winning over time or like building up a board or all that kind of things. I screw all that nonsense. The way that I like to win and you guys have experienced some of this at the hands of my Feldegrift deck is uh, alternate win cons. I don't want to play magic. I want to play some other fucking made up game that I just made up because my card says so. And I, I think the, the number of cards on this is getting more and more all the time. You mentioned there were two new ones out of Lord of the Rings. I was actually totally unaware of that. I need to look into that. Uh, but, you know, you have your classic approach of the second sun where you cast it twice and it just says you win the game on it if you do that. Triska Decafile is one of my new favorites that I just put in my Feldegrift deck that says at the beginning of your upkeep, you have exactly 13 cards in your hand. You win the game, uh, which is harder to pull off than you might think, actually. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, Felidar Sovereign is the classic. Everyone finds that when they first find Commander and they say, wait a second, you start at 40 life and it says if you have 40 life, you win the game. That seems really good. Maze's End for Gate decks, Simic Ascendancy, Helix Pentacles, a favorite of mine. You got to stack 100 counters on it, but it's a little one mana enchantment with Shroud. I love playing that on turn one of my Feldegrip deck and just being like, this is my win con, guys, right here. Deal here with it. it is and most people cannot and it's actually amazing <laughs> but yeah i i don't know how much you guys have gotten into alternate win cons if you've built around it that's that's kind of my group hug deck is it's like 85 cards that that uh that help everyone and keep me alive and then five cards that say you win the game on them and uh it's a ton of fun yeah i i definitely like approach it's a, a fan favorite 
I run it in my Esper draw deck where I'm just drawing a shit ton of cards so I can get that second cast pretty quick. Um, the second one from Lord of the Rings is interesting to me because it's Bilbo and you need 111 life to win the game. That doesn't say you win the game on it. It just says you you, you win the game without quotation marks on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like Bilbo a lot. I've already played against it a couple times uh, from, from pre-cons uh, that, that were just minorly upgraded. And even in the pre-con, they inserted a little, it's not crater hoof, but it's a thing that says whenever food tokens enter the battlefield, all your stuff gets plus one, plus one and trample until end of turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's good enough with Bilbo to just make sure you win the game, even in the pre-con, which is really fun. Yeah. But then my issue with Bilbo is that, you know, I'm just going to throw Heliod walking bullets in there when probably before that even gets close to it. Cause I have no self-control. That's the thing though, is it doesn't matter with Bilbo. I, I think that deck is really, really fun. But the win con is honestly what matters the least. It's, yeah. it's much more about uh, just triggering him, which for those that are not aware, Bilbo says you can tap five mana and exile him and search out every creature in your deck if you have exactly, or it's not exactly, if you have at least 111 life, essentially. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, your whole deck is built around getting to that 111 life. Uh, but once you actually put him on the battlefield and activate him, which... If you don't have haste, which you probably don't, takes a turn, uh, then he just basically says you win the game on him. Although that's not the technical. Yeah, like I said, it, it, there's there's two in the game in the Lord of the Rings set that they don't say win the game, but they say win the game because the other one is Frodo Sauron's bane, and you have to kill, you have to do damage to each opponent after the ring levels up to four. So there's still going to be time, like unless you have some other combat shenanigans where you're taking multiple combats in a turn. You know, you're killing one opponent, passing, killing another opponent, passing, killing the third opponent. And you win. Okay. So it's not you win the game, it's you it's target opponent loses the game. Yeah, so it's yeah. if the ring has tempted you four or more times this game, uh, and you deal combat damage to a player, that player loses the game. Loses the game. Yeah. Okay. And it's in uh Orzov, so there's not like a ton of combat shenanigans you could be doing to, you know, wipe people out in one game. But you know, that you probably should be kind of tuning your deck towards that. Well so, and I th- I think a lot of those end up in the 99 rather than in the command zone. Yeah, I don't know. I've seen Sauron's Bane a, a couple of times out with two different people in Elko alone. Well, they're wrong. I mean, <laughs> it, it's cool getting something out there that, you know, removes the legendary restrictions and then like myriading out three Frodo's and killing everybody. Stuff like that. You know, there, there's different cool ways to do it in Orzhov still. You just have to build your deck more t- tuned toward that. But you know, Doug and I have been talking a lot, Kyle. What's what's your? No, 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 no. Hang on, we're not we're not moving on oh, yet here. I oh, need fuck. everyone's favorite alternate win condition off the top of their head right now. Go, Kyle. It's uh, Lab Man because I'm a degenerate. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. I was not expecting that from you. <laughs> yeah, it's Lab Man, Jace, Wielder, is it Mysteries. Lab Man, or is it or is it Thassa's Oracle? I mean, I listen. I just want to draw out and win the game from changing the base mechanic game rules because I'm a degenerate and I don't need to listen to how to play the game. I'll make my own ways up. I mean, Kyle's a douchebag because I was essentially going to say that because Quaza has my most of my alternate win cons in it, and drawing my entire deck and winning the game is my favorite thing to do. But that is 
super yeah. rough that both of you were just immediately like, yeah, yeah, it's the good one. It's the, the good one. The good, yeah. the good one is the one I like. Listen. So we're I, back to our original conversation of just win the game, don't make friends. Got it. I play Quarkashima as my CDH deck. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to brain freeze myself and then Thassa's Oracle. You're here I mean, to put so many things on the stack that everyone loses track of what happens and a CDH tournament runs over time because no one, including the judges, actually understands what's going on other than you're probably winning the game, question mark. Listen, Doug, my Quarkashima deck has more one-drops in it than it has lands. <laughs> and my Quasar deck has killed more people with sign-in blood than it has any other way. But that's not really an I-win-the-game card. I mean, it kind of is. We haven't talked about Mill. Uh, that that is something. But no, I guess it's just if we're going to talk about Mill, we cards. do need to talk about Lab Man and... Thassa's Oracle and Jace Wheeler of Mysteries, all three of them, which basically say if you draw and you if you draw yourself out, you win the game instead. If this is in play, uh, which has turned out to be basically the best win condition in the game in Commander right now, the easiest to do on a, a fairly consistent basis. Which yeah, is... for those that are not aware, there are two cards if you're in black that can just mill your entire library immediately. Um, their uh, demonic consultation, and I'm actually forgetting the second one. Tainted pack, uh, both of them. They bas- they basically both say like either demonic consultation is name a card and and you mill cards until you hit that card. So you just name a card that's not in your deck. In fact, CDH players have made a game out of naming clever cards that say I win the game basically. Uh, and then tainted pack just says you can reveal the top card of your library if you want that card. Great. If not, exile it, and you can just do that for your entire library. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, yeah, again, for those not aware, that's the easy way to do that with Thassa's Oracle or Lab Man or Jaisal. The Thassa's is usually the way you do it. Yeah, and and to be honest, I mean, they're so good, even even in high-powered shells like Quarkashima that aren't even playing black, it's still the best win condition. If you're yeah. in those colors, you're running it, and you're playing CDH. Uh, I don't know that that's exactly right. If you're in Grixis, I think, yes, absolutely 100%. Um, there are still some is it ones that are not going to be playing Thassa's Oracle and stuff like that. Uh, the, the first one that comes to mind for that is Niv Mizzet, uh, which is just trying to win with Curiosity and Niv Mizzet. There's there's a lot of yeah, but then you're not like in black. That. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah but, but neither is Quarkashima. But Quarkashima yeah, kind of... makes sense to run it because Quarkashima. I mean, I am going to draw up my whole library maybe on turn one before anyone else gets to play. Yep. <laughs> okay. I guess that covers the good win cons. Uh, we had another one out there though, which is just a bad, another bad win con besides infect, which is mill. I personally play an Alexander Clamilton deck. Uh, it's a rule zero deck because it's not technically a legal commander, uh, but he happens to be an advisor, which means that you can play persistent petitioners with him, uh, and he counts as another persistent petitioner, so that you can mill people for twelve by tapping four advisors. Uh, and and that's my personal mill deck, and it's awful. It's it's it rarely wins games, although it often scares people. But mostly, it just gets hated out because people hate mill. Uh, have you guys ever messed with mill at all, or is that something that you also have just been like, "This is bad. Don't do it." I've I, just watched people try to mill me and then laugh. Right. Yeah. And I, I think the problem with mill too, especially in Commander, is the persistent petitioners deck is the mill deck. I don't think that's true. No. I, I mean, there, there's certainly other options out there. The blue black god, I forget his name right now, has been a mill deck that's been a Phoenix. I have has been a mill never deck for, seen a single player person play Phoenix. 
Oh, it, it, that deck is out there and it's not bad. It, it really is not. In uh, fact, and, and it's been in EDH for a decade. Between so. California, Nevada, and Pennsylvania, I think the only mill deck I've ever seen or played against is your Alexander Climbington deck. <laughs> I, don't, I, 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 even in Elko, I played against at least one Phoenix deck. I don't know if it lasted that long because again, mill is bad and mill is hard. It just yeah. is. Here's the thing, kids. It's a bad deck. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I don't dispute that whatsoever. Like that's the reason it's my silver border deck. I, 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 I liked persistent positions when I first saw them and went all in on them immediately. If you guys were there for that pre-release, I'm pretty sure where I literally was just yelling at people that I would. I would pay them a dollar for any persistent petitioners they pulled in the in the pre-release, and I think I, by the end of that day, I had thirty of them. I remember so, that very, uh, very vividly. <laughs> as soon as you mentioned that deck, I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." I it's a good strategy, let me tell you, because most people, I was like, "I'll pay you a dollar," and they were like, "Yeah, man, whatever, have it." So, yeah, take the stupid out. uncommon. It was common it, well, actually. That's what we learned in Nazgul is if you make them uncommon, they get expensive. If you make them uncommon and then actually increase their rarity secretly, then they make them valuable. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's kind of an interesting point, though, you bring up with the persistent petitioners. Would you consider cards that say you're allowed to have more than one of this in your deck is almost like a mini subcategory of win cons on its own? I think it decides your win con. So Persistent Petitioners is going to decide it for you specifically because it's a mill card. It's either going to be you're trying to mill everyone else out, which is bad and terrible, or you're trying to mill yourself out and do lab man things, which, as previously stated, is pretty good and pretty easy to do. Uh, that's kind of the easy mode thing with Persistent Petitioners specifically. Outside of that, it's Ravenous Rats, which is you're dedicating it's yourself to combat, most likely. Relentless Rats. Yes, Ravenous Rats is the one that discards cards. Relentless Rats uh, it, it basically dedicates you to combat. And then Dragon's Approach, uh, you can go two ways with that. It can either be Dragon's or just straight casting up dragon or Dragon's Approach to burn people to the face until they die, uh, which I honestly even see the Dragon's decks do on accident sometimes with Dragon's Approach. Yep. Because and- it's just pretty easy to do and then the 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 old uh, the og classic shadowborn apostles no i relentless rats is actually the classic yeah. oh is it it was first but yeah shadowborn apostles is there i think that was less decided before it appeared on command zone uh but now that it's been out there that's just an aristocrat's deck forever and always mm-hmm. essentially and, and then there's which, like the pseudo you could play as many cards as you want in this deck and that's seven dwarves and now nazgul yeah. yep which i think Nazgul's less decided at this point, uh, but Seven Dwarves is also kind of just a combat deck, unless you have Mazda at the helm, in which case it's going to do Mazda things, and that's <laughs> broken as all get out. Oh, Another CEDH deck. Let me there. turn my dwarves sideways. <laughs> oh, look at all my treasures. Oh, shoot, dragons. <laughs> oh, look. And the dragon just happens to combo out for the win. Who could have known? Who oh, could have predicted this? All these high powered artifacts that I'm never going to cast fairly. uh but yeah we did mention uh, this is a good another good pivot here we mentioned aristocrats um i i I never really understood the naming convention for this i'm pretty sure it has something to do with vampires but the basic idea of aristocrats is essentially you have a ton of creatures and you're constantly sacrificing those creatures for effects which does other stuff 
which triggers a whole bunch of stuff. And next thing you know, Blood Arts is hitting everyone on the table in the face for 39 damage while you gain, uh, what is 39 times three? I, a, a lot of life, essentially. It is called Aristocrats because of an Orzov card called Cartel Aristocrat. Really? Yep. That was printed and now in they do Gate Crash. And it basically, the card just said, sacrifice another creature, and Cartel Aristocrat gains protection from oh, yeah. the color of your choice. Yeah, I know. I'm seeing it right now. It's, a, it's an Orzov 2-2 for white and a black. That makes sense. Yep. And that's, that's what the whole subtype is uh, named after. I knew it was uh, named after a card, but I couldn't remember the name, so I also looked it up. I won't lie yeah. to you. I'm not that smart. <laughs> I, I'm sure that's a standard I just missed, is, is what that is. But uh, I fucking love aristocrats i my, me as well my first high-powered deck that i played that was in my opinion not cdh um even with the the obvious combo in it it just wasn't built good enough to be cdh but that is uh prosh sky raider of care <laughs> i i had the food chain but without the tutors without the proper mana base without all the ramp and everything to get you to where you need to be the interaction it wasn't built like a cdh it literally was like oh, one out of 15 games I can get Prosh and Food Chain on the battlefield and then I win and it feels like CDH, but... Kyle, I already know this story. This is, yeah, this is this the is time period... Bullshit. This is the time period the Dakota was uh, pub stomping and you wanted to be on the same level. I guarantee you 1,000% that's what this was. Yes. Dakota had one good deck. <laughs> it was Marin. Marin? I know. And he, and yes, it, it, was, it was Marin. Yeah. Marin, yeah. And... And, I, and I still don't think that that deck was built as good as a CDH level Prosh deck or Corval. No, it, it, it absolutely was not. It was just a high power deck. That's yeah. all it was. But yeah. I, I had a ton of fun. I love the sacrifice effects. I love messing around with it. It's interesting to see because I feel like I haven't seen as many of the, um, the like duality like stuff, like the Dictate of Erebos kind of effects where you sacrifice and it forces your opponents to all sacrifice and stuff like that i really haven't seen a whole lot of even just maybe just not aristocrat decks at all it, elko gotten, doesn't really have any it's gotten less po- the uh th- those effects that that when you sack everyone or when, when one of your creatures dies everyone else sacrifices the creature those specifically have gotten less popular because it's kind of oppressive but Aristocrats as a whole, I'd be kind of shocked. I mean, I haven't been to Elko in a while, obviously, uh, but I'd be kind of shocked if there was just nobody out there doing that where you're sacrificing creatures to to get benefits and, and then do things and just trigger, trigger, trigger and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I play... There are a couple. But I, I play Ashnod's Altar and Phyrexian Altar and stuff like that, and I know people do, but that's like sacrifice like value yeah like value accidental sacrifice i don't i don't think that's like full aristocrats you know no here i mean there's definitely like a turgrid deck out there that's on the sacrifice make every or uh you know sack a creature make everyone else sack a creature game oh you want to you want to talk about fucking oppressive yeah and it doesn't come out very often because one it's turgrid and two it's just it's that same stupid bullshit where no one gets a board state except the turgrid player I mean, if you guys want to talk about oppressive, I firmly believe that mass discard is a win condition, and I both have an aristocrats deck and a mass discard deck. Uh, both. So I used to have a Grixis discard deck too, and it was very good. I had Nicol Bolas the Ravager as the commander. 
Yeah, mine is uh, mine is Zonchuk because I'm trying to make mass discard friendly, quote unquote. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> look, it, it's I, I think it's the only fun way I've been able to figure out to build mass discard. I, 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 I at heart, I'm a dirty stacks player, which makes playing commander very difficult for me. I, I want one... to get everyone hellbent to the point where they don't have any cards in their hand and that kind of thing. I want everybody to not have any lands. I want everybody to not be able to play magic. But apparently that's not fun. So I had found out many ways to make it more fun over the years. And with Discard specifically, that's my Zancha deck, where Zancha is a three-mana commander that says anyone can pay three mana to deal the person who has Zancha, which I decide, uh, to have them get dealt two damage and then draw a card. So the idea is that I get you hellbent, but I'm like, hey, here's the thing that lets you draw a card. Don't mind that you're killing this person over here while you do it. Uh, and it's at least a little bit better than your average mass discard deck with tiny bones or whatever, that you're just straight up like, no one has a hand and I'm winning slowly. Isn't everyone having fun here? Well, see, funny you mentioned tiny bones, because when we were in <laughs> Salt Lake last November, I played several games against a guy who only ran a tiny bones discard deck, and it was well, actually very fun. And yeah? there was, I think I probably played like four games with this guy and two of them, he killed himself with tiny bones. So <laughs> like, it, I don't know what he was doing about his deck that made it fun. Cause I, I took apart my fucking nickel bullets deck. Cause discard isn't fun for anybody else. Sure. And, but I, I didn't mind his deck. So I think there's definitely ways to do it. I don't know. It, I, I say my, I've made my Zancha deck fun. I still, I don't play that deck very often. I just don't have opportunity to, and I have to warn people when I do it and I get groans and it's just, it's a very hard strategy to pursue as is stacks in general. What did I tell both of you? This game is about winning. We're not having fun. <laughs> okay. Why don't you cast pact of negation and then not do anything on your upkeep again? It was, Packed a slaughter, you fucking moron. No, it was oh. definitely negation. No, oh, there you go. It was the black one. It was slaughter. So we, we, we eased in with discard. Have either of you guys actually played stacks decks before? The my very first deck that I built when I moved to Elko for that Ravnica deck building challenge. Yeah. I got Orzov and I built that as stacks. Oh yeah, you t you mentioned this earlier, and I said I can't believe I still can't believe I've never played against that deck, or at least I don't remember it if I did. It didn't live very long. No, I mean, yeah, it's a stack stack. That makes sense. What about you, Kyle? Oh, nope. Definitely don't have a certain fox that uh, <laughs> doesn't play any stacks cards. Eight, eight and a half tails mm -hmm. is, a, is a stack stack? I, uh, it's not a very good one. Well, eight I mean, and I've half played tails. against it a couple times, and I, I don't remember it being a stack stack is more what I'm saying. Eight and a half tails is, I guess, would be closer to a... Uh, the 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 pieces in it that would function in that way would be closer to like death and taxes. I would call it more of a pillow fort deck. Well, it's actually more of a Voltron deck, but it has the death and taxes style effects because I need you guys to not be able to play your stuff, not be able to gain value and benefits. Sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. So me specifically, I have not been able to do stacks in normal commander. Uh, the first commander deck I ever built, way 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 back in the day, in 2010, uh, was a reflection of uh, a deck I took second in a JSS with in standard, which was green, red land destruction. So I built Wart the raid mother, which lets you copy spells and just play land destruction. And immediately my, my buddy Chris was like, Hey man, this is, could we, could we do like anything else? This is not really fun. <laughs> so I got to learn that lesson really early, but I've actually gotten to revisit it lately in CDH specifically where I've made 
three different stacks decks uh, because that's the only place I can play it essentially. So I have uh, a black red one with a Mogus of of the magic strings that copies all sorts of pox effects and stuff that sacrifices lands and permanents and that kind of thing. So basically just try and punish people for playing all the fast mana in the world. Uh, And then I also have a birthing pod deck uh, that's five color, 10 card and a rule of law deck uh, that makes, makes it so it just plays every rule of law out there and makes it so everyone can only cast one spell a turn. And I'll stack those because people don't typically play board wipes in CDH. So I'll just, I'll be more than happy to play down three rule of law effects and say, deal with it essentially while I win slowly with combat damage or uh, a bad combo essentially. And that's, I knew you were a Ponza player. That's the difference between stacks and taxes, right? Is stacks is you can't do this. You can only do so much of this. Whereas taxes are like a lot of my stuff. That's like your stuff enters tapped. It costs more money. It has all these stipulations on it, but you can still do it as much as you want. You just have to be able to pay or follow these rules. Is that right? They're both, they're both pretty similar. Um, The difference is stacks. A lot of the time will be, more oppressive kind of the original stacks card that made the, the grand whole arbiter thing. no smokestacks smoke stack, yes oh, so oh stacks sure. standard play back in the day uh during urza's urza's block before bargain was a thing and all that kind of thing and it's a four mana artifact that says during your upkeep put a counter on it and everyone sacrifices permanence equal to the amount of counters on it so in the old standard deck you would never put more than one counter on it and you would just you know have your deck built where you were ready to do that every turn, sacrifice one thing, and I'm still winning the game kind of thing. So it just played it slowly. Tangle Wire was another similar thing that happened mm-hmm. in kind of the next block over uh, where it taps down your stuff, that kind of thing. So that was kind of the original stacks. But there's also Stasis has been around since the beginning of the game. There's a ton of cards like that that just make it so everyone can't really do stuff. And then there's taxes as well. But the general idea is you want to make everyone slow down and play a fair game of magic while your deck is built around that and theirs is not. It's about changing the rules of the game to benefit your deck over someone else's. So that's so then that's a lot of what Eight and a Half Tales does, just to slow everything down to be at a level that the mono-white deck can go faster than they can. Right. Um, yeah, the Venn diagram, when there's stacks and then there's taxes, it, they just almost 100% overlap. Um, it's close. There is some hard stuff as well, though, like Karn, the great creator, and Mycosynth Lattice makes it so activated abilities of artifacts your opponent's control can't be activated, and then it makes all of their permanents into artifacts, meaning yeah. that they can't tap lands or creatures. They can't do anything, essentially. Uh, and that there's some hard locks like that that are around, and you'll find those in stacked decks as a win. I have, I've done that many a times in my Esper Artifacts deck. Yeah. Um, I do. I did remember we used to have a Grand Arbor, Augustus the the third, whatever he fourth. is, fourth, the fourth. Thank yeah. you. We used to have a Grand Arbiter deck, uh, that Jennifer gave me. It was her deck, and I took that apart very quickly. <laughs> I've I've never met a fun Grand Arbiter deck. I'll give you that. It wasn't. Yeah. It was. It was. Fuck. It wasn't even fun to play. I'm gonna be completely honest with you. <laughs> Tying this in the commander stacks taxes death and taxes all these they really exist to sit in the bottom of your bag and then when you get to whatever your meta is or a pod and they're just being oppressive pricks doing degenerate shit like thoracle <laughs> you okay next game stacks and just don't let them fucking play the game anymore 
I mean, that's why I have it as my CDH decks. I enjoy the play style. I I know that not everyone else does, but you know, in the competitive environment, you can do that. Uh, yeah. And that's that. I think that would be my takeaway here. If you're listening to this, is uh, stacks is fun in an environment where you can play it for you only, no one else. Yeah. So make sure you're in an environment where it's okay to play it. Otherwise, you're just being an asshole. No matter how much you might enjoy. Being like, haha, I have stuff and no one else does. Isn't this fun, guys? Guys? Or if you really need to sit a couple of people down in a corner and just make them watch you just obliterate everybody else on your own. Right. Matt, I don't think that's doing any good in the world. I just don't. I mean, they're going to be less assholes of the fear of you bringing that deck out again. Or I they won't it. play with you and it's a win. Yeah, that's fair. Sometimes it feels bad, though. <laughs> I've had games like that. Well, I, but, I, I've yeah. taken decks apart because of that. Where I'm like, yeah, uh, no, that, that is something that happens to everyone as well. Is when you build something that you didn't think was going to be oppressive, and it is that happens to everyone. Don't worry about it, guys. Just take take the, the deck apart, wipe your you know, wash your hands of it. The, the problem is when people don't recognize that they're doing that to a table. Box roll does nothing wrong. Before mm. you take the deck apart, you should at least get the chance to cast Emrakul on turn five and take somebody's turn from them. <laughs> no but anyways we need to start wrapping this up so everybody one more favorite win con one more deck whatever you want to talk about kyle we'll start with you uh can i steal what the last thing you wrote on the list here is doug yes you can it was uh, going to be mine but you can steal it all right and that'll just be our last one then I, I i'm gonna say storm i mean i've already said i have a quarkashima deck uh cdh deck it's a ton of fun it's incredibly confusing like doug said uh, you're going to confuse yourself, the players across from you, the judge, the store owner. Probably you could call like R&D and you're probably going to confuse them because you're going to have so many different things on the stack. You're going to have to figure out what copies do, how copies work, how things being flipped back to your hand work, how recasting things work, how many things are on the stack, how many different spells have been played, what each different spells plays done, how many cards you've drawn, when the Thassa's Oracle hit the back. I love it. I love Storm so much. There's so much going on. It's so confusing. I take a 30-minute turn. I might win. I might not win. I love wasting people's time. And that's exactly why Storm sucks. No, I, see, here's the thing, because Kyle's right. And, and to be clear, Storm is not only a CDH thing. You can play it at any power level. I've had Storm decks with AV, the Progenitor Ooze, uh, that just makes copies of itself, depending on how many spells you cast that turn. I've had Storm decks that were fairly low-powered that wanted to just do dumb things like make cats and that kind of thing. And I have my Will and Rowan Kenrith deck, which is my basic Storm deck. And the big thing is, is you're going to take that long turn when you go off in a Storm deck. You're, it's going to happen. And instead of being a, a jerk and a worrywart like Matt, you can, you can help out that Storm player by keeping track of their mana and help them keep track of triggers and those kind of things. Instead of just being like, man, I'm bored and looking at your phone. Now, <laughs> the other thing is, is as a Storm player, uh, you can ask people to keep track of those things for you and, and, and be upfront about the fact that like, okay, guys, I'm going to try and storm off here. This might take a minute. If you could help me keep track of things, that would really help out. It can be a back and forth thing where you all have fun and people look there and go, oh, is he going to be able to do it or did he go too soon? Because if you play the Storm deck at a high-powered table, you will find yourself in that situation where you go, okay, I have to do this now because if I don't, somebody else is going to win the game. So let's see if I can do this 
or if I'm just wasting people's time here. Well, and it can be really fun for the whole table to figure out if you're going to be able to get there or not, as opposed to you dragging it out, which I see a lot of Storm players do, and they make they, they, they wait until they really, really have it, which probably just means that you're playing that deck at too nice a table, to be honest. Well, you should feel pressure to storm off in your storm deck. The thing is, and I think that I think that there are mechanics that fall under this category, but I I think the storm is not for you know day one, right? Like if oh, you're if you're early for to the game, you know don't try to jump directly into something as complicated as storm or that can make turns as complicated as storm can make it because storm itself isn't that complicated it's just what it turns the gameplay into the other thing too is you really got to get into the habit and this actually i'm starting to get really irritated with playing against certain people because i if you're sitting at a table at a four-man pod and it is not your turn you should be thinking about what you're going to do on your turn (laughs) <laughs> and and I I think that that's any game to be honest. I I think that's any game, you know, any whether what what power level or not, CADH or not, but Storm especially. The first you, place I ever actually heard that was D&D, believe it or not. And uh, I think it's more true there than even in Magic, which is saying something. Oh, no, for sure. I totally agree with that. And I and I do the same thing. I think it's actually a little easier in D&D. Um there's less uh well, I guess maybe not. I was going to say there's there's less randomness, but that's definitely not true. Um, but, uh, you know, you're going to have things that you don't expect. People are going to play things you don't expect. Maybe a board wipe is going to show up and you don't expect that. But you can still have a general idea of what you're going to do. You have, most times, seven cards in hand that you can run with. You have an idea of the mana you have. You have the idea of what you could possibly draw or what you're looking for, or what you're trying to do. You can at least set up a basic outline for what I'm going to do on my turn. And with Storm... That is incredibly important. That can take, that can literally turn a 30 minute turn into a 15 minute turn. It could cut it in half. Yeah. And we, we were talking about Storm specifically here, which is kind of the mechanic where that a lot of these decks win with. But I would actually say that we're trying to talk more broadly about Spellslinger, uh, which is not Storm specific and can have ways where it wins more or less immediately. A lot of them are combo wins, that kind of thing, where. It, it can be just certain cards that you're looking for, but that might take a while because you're going to have to cast 30 cantrips to get there kind of thing. I have an Eryxmethes decks deck uh, that is the four mana creature that starts out as an, as a land. And if you cast enough spells, then it becomes a 12, 12 creature. Uh, and it is literally like Eryxmethes and 80 cantrips with 20 lands is the deck. I'm basically just trying to get Eryxmethes out as soon as possible and make it unblockable with a whole bunch of these cantrips. And I would consider that a Spellslinger deck, even though the actual win con is a little bit different than what you'd see in most Storm decks, quote-unquote. But the idea is the same. You're casting a ton of spells to get to whatever it is that your win con is, whether that's Crackle with Power or a combo or just putting up uh, or or getting your uh, lower... low earth orbit ion cannon up to the point that you can hit people in the face for 50 damage. No, the win con in the spell slinger deck or the winning card in the spell slinger deck is always grape shot. <laughs> That's all I want to <laughs> do. Let me grape shot with 40 copies. I mean, 40 copies isn't enough. You need 120. I mean, or, I'm sorry, not 120. You need, uh, yeah, no, 120. Yeah. Sure. 
<laughs> you know what I mean. I'm just saying that's more nope. than you have cards I in just, the deck. I just need to. I just need to take out one person. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Matt. You want one more win con, or are you getting us out of here? No, I just want to say because Doug, you could fuck off. I play Breach in Modern, so <laughs> like. Yeah, I'm well versed in the storm world, and it it does play significantly better in modern. It doesn't waste everybody's time like commander, but you know what? You know, storm isn't the only thing in commander that's guilty of wasting everyone's times because no, absolutely I, not. Fucking, there there's so many worse about it to be honest. But yeah, no, I think we covered a good chunk of what we think are good win cons. Talked about a few others. Uh, so Doug, I'll kick it back to you. Uh, am I supposed to be know where this is going? Yeah, Do I have an assigned. Why don't you anything else you want to talk about? No, no, no. Uh, Doug, take I, us I, to ad break. <laughs> uh, so some people like podcasting or listening to podcasts or the general word podcast and uh, think about it a lot or listen to them and want to know how to do that. And I guess that we have ways that you could do that in an ad that I don't feature in that is running now. And you know everything about making a podcast let's talk a little bit about our social medias we're on facebook instagram discord at casual tutors none of those things really matter to us you know check them out keep them up to date you'll see when we post new episodes but what's really important is joining our discord interacting with us becoming part of our community because that's where we talk with you guys most actively we love seeing your deck text we love when you ask for help and you know if we don't see a spoiler you get to it first even better throw it up in there you know we'll love to talk about it with you guys but I think we have run this episode through and beat it like a dead horse. So once again, I'm Matt. I'm Kyle. And I'm Doug. And we're all the casual tutors. We're all of them. All of them. Yep. No no two thirds here. We're all back. (laughs) All right, Kyle, you got to say your thing so I can say my thing. Oh, sorry. Thanks for listening. Opportunistic outro. Go.